your work week is over. Kick back and get the latest on the Colts and the NFL. This is The Last Word, the off-season home of the Colts, with Jeffrey Gorman and Matt Taylor. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Last Word. My name is Jeffrey Gorman. I am joined by the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. we got a big show in front of us here. We're going to be talking a little bit about Reggie Wayne stuff happening as far as the Hall of Fame goes. Matt, we'll get to that. The man was robbed yet again. We are also going to be talking about the big game coming up here in Los Angeles. Matt Taylor back in Indianapolis. I am on the grounds here in L.A. ready for the Bengals to take on the Rams. And like I said, we'll get to that in a minute. But Matt Taylor, let's start with this news. New Colts defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. He met with the media this week in his introductory press conference. I like this hire. Let me tell you why. He's been a defensive coordinator with the Raiders in 21, the Chargers for three or four years, the Seahawks. We know what he had there with the Legion of Doom, as well as don't forget he was the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars for about four years. He's been a a coordinator in this league, Matt Taylor, or a head coach since 2009. He is well-respected. He is different from Matt Eberflus. Tell me what you like about Gus Bradley and what you picked up from his first press conference. Well, same. I, I came away excited for what this Colts defense can be, the potential uh, that it has. As we've said in the past, this is not a a reclamation job for the Colts defense. That unit's been pretty good in a few key areas, like stopping the run, limiting big plays in the passing game, and creating turnovers. And, and as you said, Jeffrey Bradley, he has inherited some bad defenses over the years and turned mm-hmm. those into much better units. That's not going to be the case here in Indianapolis, as noted this week. There's a Pro Bowl player for the Colts in every layer of this defense. So, you know, during his press conference this week, he talked about how his defense has evolved over the years. It's not just a cover three and drop to a spot, drop to a zone defense. You know, it's not a landmark-based defense anymore. It's a mixture of zone. It's a mixture of man, depending on the formation, depending on the personnel group that's on the field. He talked this week how you're always trying to stay a year ahead of offenses, trying to throw in some new wrinkles trying to confuse quarterbacks for just a second, get in their heads for just a second as they go through their reads and their progression. So obviously it's going to be new for the guys on that side of the ball, but I don't think, Jeffrey, it's a scheme that's going to be hard to learn, hard to pick up. So I think they'll get a good feel for how it's supposed to be played during the offseason workout program, during OTAs and camp, and, and hopefully they can see a big uptick in comfort in this defense once the regular season starts. Well, good stuff because he's got playmakers all over the field on the defensive side, and we haven't even been to the draft yet in free agency. So it's going to be fun to watch because Darius Leonard is Darius Leonard. DeForest Buckner, same thing. Those guys are, you know, mismatches, and now Gus Bradley gets to get his hands on those guys. It's going to be fun to say the least. Nothing against Matt Eberflus and his defense at all, but he's in Chicago. It's time now to turn the page and go to Gus Bradley. So excited about that. I want to shift gears a little bit and go to the Hall of Fame. Some people, may Tay, have been and saying this is not a very splashy class that's going into this Hall of Fame. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I, how I feel about that because splashy in the Hall of Fame is it's about numbers. It's not about commercials. You know what I mean? It's not about popularity. It's about numbers and statistics. Reggie Wayne will not go into the Hall of Fame this year. One Five are, and Reggie Wayne is not one of them. I want to go over this a little bit, and we're going to get back to Wayne. Leroy Butler, Bryant Young from the 49ers, Sam Mills from the Panthers uh, and the Saints, Richard Seymour, and Tony Baselli. That's, what, that's the one that I'm happiest about. The big 
left tackle, Tony Baselli, who we played against for years. He was down in Jacksonville. Sure. He is going into the Hall of Fame. But, Matt, some people are saying there's no splash on this. Maybe we, we would have got a little bit with Reggie. What goes on with Reggie Wayne right now? Is he in next year? I don't know because, you know, you're going to have a new batch of guys that are going to go on the ballot for the first time, and you never know how that's going to impact, you know, voter influence and things like Mate, that. Mate, hold on. Did he get snubbed, yes or no? I mean, let's talk about Reg. Did he get snubbed? I don't know if he got snubbed, but it's it's a shame that he didn't get in. I mean, anytime you're talking about Hall of Famers, you're, you're splitting hairs because you can make a case for all of these guys, which is why they're finalists for enshrinement. I, I guess my gripe with the Hall of Fame voting, and I'm, I'm not alone in this, is that voters tend to vote in guys that have been on the ballot for a long time, like Tony Baselli that you just talked about. There's this idea that, hey, you know, guys have waited their turn, so it's time to get them in. That's kind of what turns me off. Let's just vote the five best players who were up on the ballot that year. There's a human element to all of this. That's why, you know, Reggie Wayne's probably not in the Hall of Fame this year, and, and it's it's also a little bit perplexing to me uh, come to find out after the fact that he didn't even make the the cut from 15 to 10, which is a little bit curious. Wow. I, I think his time is coming. Let me ask you this question because, you know, there's always, you know, myths and, and you know, false things that, that get swirled around here a little bit. Do you think that within the committee, Jeffrey, there was uh, this idea of Colts fatigue? Because the last two years we've had Edger and James and Peyton Manning. A few years before that we had Marvin Harrison. Also recently it's been Bill Polian and Tony Dungy. Coming down the pike, right, you're going to have Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney. Oh, yeah, I hear you. Do, do, do you think you. that, you know, the voters are just kind of having Colts fatigue, if you will? Oh, boy. I, well, I hope not. If that's the case, then the whole thing's a sham. It's just like they had so right. much talent. That's for that why I say there's decade. a human element to this a little bit. Yeah, but it's just like I, if they're doing that because they're saying, hey, we they got too much dessert. You know, let's give a little dessert to the other kids type thing. It's like, right. I don't know about that when it comes to the Hall of Fame. It's like. They had so much talent for that decade and a half. I mean, led by Peyton, uh, obviously the Jeff Saturdays, Robert Mathis, Marvin Harris. Well, let's go down the list. Reggie Wayne. It doesn't matter. Those are great teams that won a lot of games. Get them in. Say what you will. Reggie got snubbed, in my opinion. I know wide receivers and numbers that are matching up. He is right there. He is right there with guys that are in, uh, that are already in the Hall of Fame. Don't forget Andre Johnson's there, another guy I want to see in. I haven't faced him so many times with the Texans. So Mm -hmm. getting in for wide receiver – I don't think it's a big issue. I thought Reggie should have went in this year. I thought he qualified as such. You know, he's just going to have to wait it out. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. But, of right. course, you want to see people go in on, on, on the first ballot or the second. And like Devin Hester, uh, a guy that changed the makeup of, of game planning in the NFL. He I didn't agree. get it. I you agree. know what I'm saying? So the human element is a big part. You're right. To me, it's just let, let's just do right by the Hall of Fame and vote in the five best guys who were available to go in that year. And you're exactly right. Reggie's time is coming. I mean, he ranks 10th all-time, Jeffrey, in both catches and receiving yards. I mean, and he's got you know, better numbers room. than a lot of the guys that are already <laughs> there. So yeah. you, you don't keep a player like that out of the Hall of Fame, especially when his off-the-field character is spotless as well. So he's going to go Absolutely. in, but unfortunately it is what it is, and Reggie will have to wait at least another another year for this. No question. 87 got hosed, I'm going to say it, but uh, the wait will continue, but not for long. He will be back in the discussion as far as getting into Canton. Soon enough, congratulations to Reggie. And again, Richard Seymour, Tony Baselli, Sam Mills, Bryant, Young Leroy Butler. Hey, tip of the hat to you guys. You're in. We're going to get some more people in the, that are wearing Colts colors soon enough. And I am talking about the Robert Mathis of the world, not just 
just Reggie Wayne. So more to come down the pike. Don't forget. Now listen, when we come back, we're going to talk about this Super Bowl coming up. we got longtime NFL insider Peter King from NBC Sports. He's going to give us his thoughts on the Colts quarterback situation, what the NFL has to do regarding some racial inequality and hiring practices. The Super Bowl will be on our minds. we got a lot going on in the last word. We're going to get you ready. Don't forget the Cavaliers are coming up at the Pacers. But after these messages, Peter King's going to join us right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to The Last Word, the off-season radio home of the Colts with Jeffrey Gorman and Matt Taylor from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. Well, I, I think there's some base fundamental principles to it without getting too deep into right, it. Right. But, uh, you know, there, there are some things. And then it's recognition. You know, there's formation recognition, some indicators that the players recognize that mm-hmm. allows them to, like I said, play tighter coverage. And, uh, you know, in this game, you're trying to affect the quarterback. And it can be with your rush, or it can be just simply making the quarterback hitch, where he doesn't quite know what you're in or how you're playing certain routes or combinations. And if you can get the quarterback to hitch, you got a chance for that rush to get there. So with us, you know, the rush and the coverage need to work together. Mm -hmm. And the back end needs to be tied in with the front. That was the Colts' new defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, on his defenses affecting quarterbacks with a rush. And his coverage is in the secondary. It's going to be exciting. Congratulations and welcome to Gus Bradley. Don't forget, Colts fans, download the weekly official Colts podcast featuring your latest news, analysis, insight, interviews regarding your Colts. This week, we talked with new defensive coordinator Gus Bradley about what he's going to bring to the Colts defense in 2022. you got to check it out. We also have an interview with Colts radio analyst Rick Venturi regarding Gus Bradley. You're not going to want to miss it. Check those interviews and podcasts out right now on Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network, anywhere that you download your podcast. Time now to say hi to Peter King, NFL insider for NBC Sports. Earlier this week, he joined Matt Taylor to break down the Super Bowl, the little situation at quarterback in Indianapolis, and a whole lot more. Here's Peter King with the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Let's talk Super Bowl, Colts, and NFL with longtime NFL insider Peter King, now with NBC Sports on the line with us. Peter, thanks for the time tonight. How are you? Hey, Matt. Thanks a lot for having me. Everything is going good. Absolutely. Now, this is fascinating to me because you have used in the past – it goes on this year as well, the week between the Super Bowl and the championship games, to ride into work early in the morning with one of the coaches playing in the Super Bowl and being around that guy for a majority of the day. This year you did that with Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. What did you learn about Taylor? What did you learn about the Bengals during that process? I learned that he's got better sleeping habits than most of the other guys I've dealt with because Sean McVay, it was... 4 10 a.m. Andy Reid, it was 3 15 and he was actually <laughs> early. I, I learned that Zach Taylor's not, and I mean, who knows? This is 12 days before the game that I was with him, but he was very calm, very matter of fact, very much like we belong here. I also think that what is really significant about what they have done is that they have rebuilt their team in one off season with the benefit, obviously of having the best young quarterback or best, I should say, one of the best young quarterbacks in football. I don't think they're particularly surprised. They understand what they're up against in this game, which is that they're playing a great, not good, a great defensive front. And unless they block them, uh, Joe Burrow is going to have a long day. So they know what the job is on Sunday. 
Peter, what what does the Bengals being in the Super Bowl, what what does that mean? What does that represent for the rest of the NFL, right? Because just last spring, they drafted fifth overall. They were first overall the year before that. What does that say about Cincinnati's process and the hope that it should give other franchises? Get a quarterback. You know, no matter how good they would have been this year, if they're playing Brandon Allen or Ryan Finley or, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, whatever, they're not in the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow's the reason. And it's why I look at all the teams right now that that both struggle and or are really having a difficult time treading water, getting consistency. Mm -hmm. And the one thing you notice is inconsistent play at quarterback, either poor play or inconsistent play at quarterback, because, you know, you can have a quarterback have two or three bad Sundays in the course of a year. If he's having seven or eight bad Sundays in the course of the year, you don't have your long-term guy. The Bengals, you can say whatever you want about, well, they got Trey Hendrickson in free agency. Mm -hmm. That helped. They traded for B.J. Hill. They rebuilt their secondary. All that's true. None of it matters if they don't have Joe Burrow on the roster. There's no doubt about that. That's Peter King, NFL insider for NBC Sports. And, And when you talk about quarterbacks, let's shift towards the Colts. Carson Wentz had those forgettable games to close out the season. When you look at the Colts, Peter, what do you see? How far away are the Colts to competing for an AFC championship? And again, what do you make of their quarterback situation? I don't know if he's if Carson Wentz is the long-term guy. And I don't know that Chris Ballard and Frank Reich know that he's the long-term guy. I don't know that. You'd have to ask them. But, you know, what you saw late in the year really can't happen. What you saw, what you saw in Jacksonville just simply can't happen. And so you have to make a determination at that time. And the one thing, the, the one thing I would say about both Ballard and Reich is they are not afraid of making changes if they have to. They don't want to wait and make those changes a year late versus uh, being right on time with them. I, I think, honestly, the way I would look at this for a team that's gone from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers to uh, Carson Wentz, but in the span now of four or five seasons, it's it's been dizzying. But I don't think the Colts look at this and say, well, you know, if we've got to go looking again, we're intimidated by that. Mm-hmm. Or if we have to go draft somebody, you know, and look, I believe at the end of the day that they'll probably give Wentz one more year. I like the fact, and if I were the Colts, I would like the fact that Wentz would be under the microscope for this year because a quarterback should understand that we're going to have a lot of faith in you, but you got to produce. Right. And if, if you don't produce, it's going to be difficult for us to keep you. And I think that is what the Colts have to be doing uh, going forward. You brought up Jim Ursay, and, and he has publicly stated that, that changes are coming to the Colts this offseason do you think their their free agency strategy will change next month and in, in the month of March, knowing they don't have a first-round draft pick to address some of these key areas because they gave that up for Carson Wentz, a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm never crazy about saying that we're going to build this team through free agency. I think there are a lot of times when you say that, that you basically are saying to everybody on your team, we need to have – you know, a huge amount of help in here. Mm -hmm. 
And and my feeling my feeling about that is I think the Colts are a really competitive team right now, and I don't think you need to be revolutionary in free agency. I think the way I would look at this, if I were Chris Ballard, kind of looking at the team, mm-hmm. that I'm not really focused on making sure that I go nuts in free agency. I just I probably wouldn't do that. I think that. They have to be most concerned with making sure they have the quarterback right and in tinkering. That's Peter King, NFL insider for NBC Sports. Peter, going around the NFL a little bit and talking big picture, from your standpoint, how much pressure is on the league? How much pressure is on Roger Goodell considering what is being alleged by Brian Flores when it comes to racial inequality and hiring practices and I think equally as damaging to the game being offered money to throw games in an effort to better draft position well you know Roger Goodell said on Saturday that uh, he was going to have outside people look at this I mean he hasn't described in detail what he's going to do but in my opinion what the NFL needs to do is to have an outside investigations team, the exact thing that they did with Ray Rice and Tom Brady. And they have to go over this and make sure they absolutely get to the bottom of it. Now, the difficult thing is going to be if the NFL wants to interview Brian Flores in this, uh, how cooperative would he be with this prior to his legal action against the NFL? So it's sort of a tricky thing, Mm -hmm. but Look, if if Stephen Ross is found to have done this, uh, he's got to have his team stripped from him. Uh, He can't own a team. Especially, look, the NFL in a lightning quick fashion has gotten gotten into bed with gambling companies. And so you can't cast aspersions and, 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 and have some doubt on who actually might be winning these games. The the NFL has a clear mandate to find out if what Brian Flores said is right or wrong. The problem becomes, can you do that when it's so much a part of Brian Flores' case against the NFL? No doubt about that. That's a great point. That's Peter King, NFL insider for NBC Sports. Final thing, Peter, before I let you go, we're seeing a changing of the guard with quarterbacks in the NFL. Of all the quarterbacks who entered the NFL between 2000 and 2005, only Aaron Rodgers, he's the last man standing, how strong is the NFL right now in terms of young quarterbacks who are ready to become the faces of the league if they aren't that already? Never in the time in the 38 years that I've covered the NFL have there been the quality of quarterbacks uh, 26 and younger in the NFL. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, you know, and then obviously whatever happens with Deshaun Watson, whatever happens with Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, former MVP. There's just an incredible amount of strength at the quarterback position. So at a time when Rodgers probably doesn't have that much longer Mm -hmm. and Breeze, you know, Eli Manning, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, you know, are all gone in the last 24 months. Uh, the NFL has replaced them. And I think that that it's even going to get better because there is so much time and energy right now spent at the youth level in developing quarterbacks and in the college level in developing quarterbacks that 
we're without any question, even though we've just left a golden age of quarterbacks. I forgot Roethlisberger, but we've just left a golden age of quarterbacks. Now it might be the platinum age of quarterbacks. That's Peter King, NFL insider for NBC Sports. Peter, finally, before I let you go, what are you writing about this week uh, leading into the Super Bowl? And then who do you have winning the big game coming up on Sunday? Well, I only write on Mondays now, so I uh, I wrote about uh, the uh, taking a ride to work mm-hmm. with Zach Taylor, the Bengals, and um, and I went and had lunch with uh, Joe Burrow's dad over in Athens, Ohio, just off the campus of Ohio University. That's this week, and then who knows? Next week, we'll be looking at the results of the Hall of Fame voting and Something always seems to happen. I'm sure there's going to be a few things that will happen the rest of this week that will uh, need to be covered, and so that's what I'll be doing. No doubt about that. The NFL's the beast that never sleeps. That's Peter King from NBC Sports. Fantastic info as always, Peter. Thanks a ton for your time. I know you're incredibly busy. Enjoy the rest of Super Bowl week in L.A., and we'll talk to you at Colts Camp this summer. Thanks a lot, Matt. Take care. Good stuff, Mate. Appreciate you taking over that with Peter King. I am out here in Los Angeles ready for the big game. Mate is back. Uh, he has his boots on the ground in the snow in Indianapolis. <laughs> but don't worry. Hey, hey Mate, after this. Gore, man. It's all slush. It's all melting. It right is now. now, right? I heard it's raining there and such. It was a little yeah. bit like 40-some degrees. We have a horrible, horrible day here in L.A. right now, just so you know. It's 85 and sunny. No, I'd stay out there as long as you possibly can, my man, and hobnob with all the movie stars. Hey, I'm going to tell you a little bit. I had a movie star experience that I'm going to tell you about. Okay, after this quick timeout. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I know. I'm also (laughs) getting, hey, we got some Jonathan Taylor trivia coming up, courtesy of our friends at Forum Credit Union. With that question of the week, we'll tell you about what's happening on the field and off the field here in L.A., and I'm going to tell you who I had a chance meeting with. Over at the golf course. This is the last word right here. 93.5107.5, the fan. Can't get enough football? You're in the right place. This is the off-season radio home of the Indianapolis Colts. The last word with Jeffrey Gorman and Matt Taylor from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. I think, you know, we say we, we play a lot of cover three, but that's even evolved. That's from the days back in Seattle, but I think there's been some changes. There's, you know, all of a sudden it turns into a match coverage, right. and now we're playing a little bit more man and a little bit more split safety, and it's it really is based on the, the types of players that you have and how do you utilize their skill set. But I think that you're looking for a team that plays fast, plays physical, get the ball. And every call that we have is designed to get the ball, that mm-hmm. type of mentality. And so, you know, when you see them on tape, they have the ability to play fast. I think they can really concentrate now on picking up the new scheme, what is asked of them, and get back and then add to that ability to play fast. All right, welcome back to The Last Word right here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan that was Gus Bradley, Colts' new defensive coordinator on how his defense has evolved from just a cover three defense over the years. Can't wait for that man to make a big splash in Indianapolis. Time now for the Forum Credit Union Question of the Week. Mate, I know you watched it, but last night at the NFL's Honor Awards, Jonathan Taylor was named the 2021 FedEx Ground Player of the Year, an award given annually to the NFL's top running back. Yep. Taylor was also the leading fan vote getter for the 2022 Pro Bowl and was named first team all pro. He also had a mic in his hand last night. He did some live television. The kid yeah, can do it good. all. He did. I mean he did. Now listen. He uh, he is also the leading fan vote getter, as I said, for the Pro Bowl, and was named first team All Pro. My question to you, from our friends at Forum Credit Union, they w- they want to know 
Who was the last Colts running back to go to the Pro Bowl and be named an All-Pro in the same season? This oh. is a layup. Well, I know the last Colts player to go to their running back to go to the Pro Bowl was Joseph Adai in 2007, but I don't think he was an All-Pro that year. Um, and then before that, it was Edrin James. So I'm thinking like around 99, 2000-ish, somewhere in that neighborhood, he was Pro Bowl and All-Pro in the same season. May Tate, let's be honest. If we're doing these Forum Credit Union questions of the week, which we've done for, for years with our friends at yes. Forum Credit Union, and we talk running backs, there's really three or four guys that we're going to answer with. You know what I mean? There's Marshall let's throw Falk, Marshall Eric Falk. Dickerson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a little Joseph Adai in there. I mean, we once in a while may get Dominic Rhodes thrown in, but four or five guys is, is basically the answer when you're coming up with these uh, Forum Credit Union same, questions same of the week. Same thing with quarterbacks, right? In the last That's 15 true. years, it's, it's number 12 and number 18. That is true. Oh, anyway, thanks to our friends at Forum Credit Union and the Fan Forum section of Colts.com. You can interact there with other fans online. Post a topic, participate in various discussions regarding your Colts Forum Credit Union. Helping members live their financial dreams. It is time. Let's bust it out. Here's the grab bag. Let's close out the show. It's time for the NFL Grab Bag, an assorted look at what's going on in the NFL. NFL Grab Bag, always brought to you by our friends at Meyer, where local sports are a win for the entire community, building up leaders, teaching integrity, sparking our economy. That's why Meyer is always proud to sponsor local sports throughout Indiana because when we support the home team, we all win, including Jeffrey Gorman and his golf game this week. Jeffrey, tell us who you uh, hit the fairways with uh, this past week in uh, L.A. for the Super Bowl. All right, well, I didn't exactly hit the fairways with him, but we did have a nice discussion on the tee box and at the clubhouse. I said it last year. It was a brief meeting, but we had more of a time to catch up this year. I mean, I don't know what to say. I love the guy's work. He's very soft-spoken. He doesn't have a hard handshake at all. Uh, he's very kind, very shy almost. But Joe Pesci, that guy, that's right, Joe Pesci, our favorite mob figure throughout the years, as well as Home Alone and everything, great actor, but just had a nice chat with Joe Pesci, who I was introduced. Uh, Mate, this guy's too old for you and I, but ask your parents about Tom Dreesen, who was a comedian oh, yeah. back in the Rat, oh, back yeah. in the Rat Pack days. Oh, he wow. he warmed up for for you know Frank Sinatra for years for those guys, and it, it, all the Rat Pack he would work with, Sammy Davis Jr. included. And he came over, and we had some great tales and stuff. Pesci wasn't saying much, but Dreesen had a great story about – I asked him, I said – he said, man, I, I, I know I picked the right business because I meet, get to meet great people like Joe here and, and, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder with the greats throughout the years. And then he goes, by the way, don't forget I have a book out. I just released it last year. <laughs> so it was so funny the way he did it. He's like, don't forget to – I'm like, my parents are big fans of yours. He's like, well, buy two of them. But Maytag, <laughs> I did ask him. He goes – I go, let me ask you a question about the celebrity – the celebrity on earth. Tell me about your meetings, because I know he met everyone, everybody back in the sure. day. I said, tell me about your meetings, Tom Dreesen, with Muhammad Ali. And he met him for the first time when he was Cassius Clay. Okay, yeah. And, yeah, and he said he was very soft-spoken like that, very much of a gentleman. The next time he met him, he was Muhammad Ali. And he came up and they, they, they had introduced, you know, again, said, hey, good to see you again, good to see you. And he said, but the only thing different was, Ali had his uh, uh, his suit coat pockets full of magician tricks. So Dreesen's like, I'm trying to have a I'm trying to have a conversation with the champ, and he's pulling ribbons out the back of my collar, you know, and he's removing his thumb, 
And then he's got these card games and stuff. And he goes, I have no idea what he did, but he had card games, tricks games, all these these magical trick games uh, on his person. He said it was unbelievable. I just let him do it. He said he was like a kid in a candy shop giving a 10-minute show. And he said just the best, one of the best things he's ever done. I said, give me a, uh, Tom, can you give me a story or two on Sinatra? And he said, "Uh, I'm sorry, I can't talk about Frank. Oh. oh, that's what he said. Is, that, is he goes, that sacred? I don't know. I think it is. I mean, that is the Godfather. But he talked about that. But he goes, "I'm sorry." I, he just know he was a great man. I can't talk about Frank. He goes, "Buy the book. Buy the book." Oh, it was so funny. Always man. go back. to No, the I did. I did. I had a great time on that, and appreciate so, you letting me tell that story. Pesci, man, he's one of my all-time favorites. Did you get into like roles and, and favorite uh, favorite actors and you know folks? He, that he will not with? let you. No, he won't let you. Like he's he hits and runs, man. He yeah. he just doesn't get into that. He I probably he, he wanted would to too. talk. Yeah, he talks a lot of golf. Now he doesn't move the, the golf ball very far, but he's out there consistent. He has a nice swing. It's a it's a it's a country club called Lakeside where a friend of mine is a member there. Yeah. So you have to go play with the member and all that stuff. And it's the who's who. Just guys out there trying to improve their golf game. But it was kind of fun. But with Pesci, we just kind of talked golf and talked about. You know, following, talked a little bit about the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Dreesen, Tom Dreesen, who I talked about, he was a staple there. But Joe's so so soft-spoken. I do some imitations, but I don't do a good Joe Pesci. But here's how he spoke. Okay. Yeah, it was fun. We had a lot of fun. It was, you know, it was a great time. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really good. But he really soft-spoken, soft handshake. So he's a gentle giant of a man. But anyway, that was a bad Joe Pesci. My point is he just he was just soft-spoken the whole time. I can't picture Joe Pesci in any other setting other than him standing over a guy with a baseball exactly. in a casino. I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry. That'll that'll never be replaced with any other mental image I have of that guy. Oh, my God. No, and he loves golf. Those guys love golf. And uh, it's funny, the look he had on, last thing on Pesci, dark, dark sunglasses, a hat with that with the brim up, and uh, just looked like a uh, $100 million. Just of looked course. like he could walk right off the, he could have <laughs> walked off the set, set of Goodfellas, the 2000 version. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, that's no, it was awesome. great. Anyway, next year, hopefully we'll meet meet up with him again and I'll have better stories with Joe Pesci. LA Bound Super Bowl it's all this weekend. A big game is waiting in a couple of days. Gus Bradley is in as the new defensive coordinator. We do have some more coaching hires to talk about. You can find it all on Colts.com. Download the Colts app as well. You'll hear Mayte, JJ Stankovic, Lara Overton, myself among many others. We're getting you ready for next season. I know it's early but that's what we do. We got a whole lot of new faces in Colts land this year. So let's get ready for a huge 2022 and 2021 will end with the Super Bowl coming up in two days. Maytay, I appreciate the time. Let's go watch some Pacer basketball because the Cavaliers are coming into town. Yes, sir. Have a great weekend, Jeff. We'll see you back here next week. You too. The last word right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Brother Johnny, he caught a plane and he got on it. He's got a pistol in his pocket They say the man is crazy on the coast Lord, there ain't no doubt about it